Good day, everyone. This is Dave Rhymes, and you're listening to Sound Bites, where sound theology and sound advice meets everyday life. The journey of life is a lot more treacherous than we'd like to admit. Navigating the path requires a clear sense of direction. In today's soundbite, we'll examine Psalm 119, verses 97 through 112, to see how God's Word is the light we need to illuminate our path. Wisdom. We need it. We need God's wisdom. Why? Because the road ahead is dark, and we need the light. You know, verse 105 here is very popular in Christian circles. Many of you probably learned to quote this from the old King James, but here in the ESV it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why a light? Why not a sign or a guidepost or maybe a trail marker? God's word is a light because the path of life is one walked in darkness. Wait, you don't mean for the Christian, do you? I mean, after all, haven't we come out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light, just like the scriptures have said? Well, spiritually speaking, yes, that is exactly what happens when we receive God's grace through faith in Jesus for our salvation. But the world that we continue to live in is broken and marred by the effects of sin. That's why David includes this verse, I think. You see, apart from the word of God, he can't see not one step forward. And neither can we. You know, when I play Minecraft with my girls, you can adjust the settings in the game so that you can decrease and increase your field of view. You can tell the the game to render uh, minimum chunks and you'll only see what's kind of around you. Or you can set it to maximum And then you can just look off into the the far horizon. You know, that works great for gaming. That's not how life actually works. If you are in Christ, then all you have to guide you through the ever-pressing darkness of this life is the light of his word. You and I don't get to see five steps ahead, much less the far-off horizon. The light shines where we need it. That's why it says that your word is a lamp to my feet. That's all I'm seeing, this step and no more. And by faith in God's word, I will take one more step. You and I have been conditioned to think that we can get it all figured out. We can plan out our lives, we can dream our dreams, and we can just lay every stone that we have to step on from now until we retire. That is not the reality the Bible paints. Please don't buy into that. That's why the Apostle John writes the letter to the church to remind them there in 1 John chapter 1. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, we walk in the light because in doing so, we draw closer to God. And when we draw close to God, the path forward becomes clear. It becomes clear through the light of his word. 
The alternative is to grope about in darkness, trusting to your own wisdom or the wisdom of the world, hoping that everything somehow will just work out. But it doesn't always work out, does it? David himself is aware of this. I mean, he mentions his own sufferings there in verse 107. Why? Because the path of life is treacherous. He talks about circumstances so dire that it grieves him to the point of death. He describes the traps along the path meant to ensnare him. I mean, is it any wonder David loves God's law? He knows what's out there in the darkness. And he knows what it can and has done to him. Some of you know this all too well. You know what this life is like. Your journey has been hard and you have the mental and emotional, maybe even the physical scars to prove it. You've come along life groping in the darkness, not knowing where you're going, and you're just tired. You're just tired. You don't know where you're going anymore. All you do is just blindly grope and grope and grope. You think you're on the path. You listen to someone's voice. They said, this go, go this way. It was a lie. Where are you now? It's exhausting. You need the light of God's Word just as much as I need His light. I can't make it one step further as a Christian. You definitely can't make it anywhere as an unbeliever. Oh, my friend, you need this light because this light points you to Christ. Because we can't make it by just groping by in the dark. We need God's law to make us wise so that our feet stay on the path. So that we can even see the path. But you know, the problem is not having God's law. That's easy. You can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. You can go on your phone right now, go to the App Store, go to the Google Play Store. You can download you any number of Bibles for your devices. God's law is easy to have. Problem is keeping it. Knowing God's law does only one thing. It shows us what a mess we're in. The Apostle Paul wrote this in his letter to the church in Rome. There in Romans chapter 3 he says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Well, if we can't be made right by keeping God's law, then what? Thankfully, that's where Jesus comes in. Again, we turn to Paul's letter to the church at Rome, and Jason read a portion of this earlier, but I just want to highlight here in verses 3 and 4 how Jesus fulfills the requirements of the law that we're not able to do. It says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son, the likeness of sinful flesh, for our sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We've seen these verses and even this song, how essential the law of God is for our lives, how it gives us godly wisdom for knowing what is right and what is wrong. We need it to light our path as we walk along this journey in this life 
But apart from the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection from the dead, the law of God will only serve to make us painfully aware of our, of our desperate state. To love God's law is to love the one who fulfilled it on our behalf. When we embrace Jesus and Jesus alone by faith, the crushing weight of the law is lifted from us. And now instead of a burden, we have a guide. In Jesus, the law of God becomes an object of our affection and the source of our wisdom. Let's never forget how desperately we need the Christ-fulfilled law of God in our lives. So what do we do with all of this? The text gives us several takeaways, I believe, to apply these truths to our lives. For starters, we see that we need to be serious about keeping God's law. David talks about swearing an oath to keep God's law. In those days, oaths were serious business. They weren't to be taken lightly, and there were dire consequences for breaking an oath. It was a serious sign of your commitment. See, David knew that play acting wouldn't cut it. If he was going to keep his feet on the path of righteousness, he was going to have to get serious about keeping God's law. So how are you doing with that? Do you take Bible study seriously? Is it a priority for you personally as well as within the community of faith? First Baptist, if we want to see our church make an impact for the kingdom and not just occupy real estate, then we have got to get serious about God's word. Secondly, we need to look at God in times of affliction. David cries out to God there in verse 107. He knows that his only source for life is found in him. To where does our attention shift when we suffer? Do our eyes stay fixed on Jesus or do we turn to other sources of hope and wisdom to get us through? God's law is adequate. And loving God's law means trusting it even when the going gets tough. It also means that we don't let our circumstances cause us to abandon God's law. I love the words to the hymn that we just sung, How Firm a Foundation. Jason didn't even know I was going to mention it in the service today. I love how the Spirit works those things out. Let me just read a couple of the verses. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. When through the deep waters I call you to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with you, your troubles to bless and sanctify you in your deepest distress. How firm is your foundation? Well, may it be in Jesus. You don't need to abandon him when your circumstances are tumultuous. Let the light of his word guide you instead. In verse 110, we see that God's law will keep us from being trapped. You know, nobody likes being duped, scammed, 
lie to, or manipulate it. But the wisdom that comes from God's law helps us to avoid the pitfalls and the snares laid for us by the world. If you know God's law, you're able to see those trouble spots on the path and to avoid them. And as we walk that path, we need to find joy in God's law and pass it on. There is no greater inheritance to give your children and grandchildren than a legacy of faithfulness to God and his word. Is Sunday morning marked by drudgery? Everyone grumbling and complaining, mom and dad murmuring under their breath as they have to get everybody up and breakfast and get dressed and where's my shoes, I can't find my socks, where's your Bible, where did you have it last, just get in the car, we got to go to church. Or is it marked by joy? I didn't ask you if Sunday mornings were easy. I know they're not. That was a verbatim quote from my house, all right? I asked you, are they marked by joy? Parents, do you want to help shut the church's back door and keep your kids engaged in their faith beyond high school? One way is to find joy in God's law and pass it on to your kids. And part of that is making our gatherings on Sunday before, during, and after a delight rather than a drudgery. I know it's not easy. Mom and Dad, we're here for you. We want to help you in that. And goodness, if we're going to pull all of this off, then we're going to have to set a pace of endurance on our faith journey. The road ahead is long and difficult. As I said before, apart from the Word of God, we can't see where we're going. That makes for a frustrating road trip, doesn't it? Long difficult, and the point between A and B, complete mystery. I mean, there's not too many people calling shotgun for that trip, are there? But that is the journey you and I are on. If you and I are going to make it to our destination, then we're going to have to set a pace for endurance, meaning we need to incline our hearts to love and keep God's law until the very end. Tomorrow, we'll have the opportunity to say our final goodbyes to Mr. Carl Merriweather. And this church, the name Merriweather, is practically synonymous with endurance. Most of y'all know Mr. Carl was a proud sailor. And in those last months, it pained him to have to be helped into his seat. But you know what? He was going to be here if he could. Why? Because he hadn't stopped running. Some of you can't even be here, but once every four to six weeks, I'm concerned for you. Look to someone who is running with endurance and try to match that pace. Because that's a pace that's going to get you to the end of the line. We finally talked about Miss Nell this week in the office about how even in her hospital room she was putting together those Sunday school newsletters. Carl and Nell didn't just casually walk across the finish line. They sprinted all the way to the end. I mean, physically, their bodies couldn't even get out of bed at the end. But spiritually, they were still running. 
That's the kind of endurance I want for my life. That's the kind of example I want to set for my family. To never give up. To keep that pace of endurance. Like David, Carl and Nell had a good reason to love God's law. And so do we. So how is your attitude towards the Bible? Do you love it? Or is it cold and apathetic? Do you have the mentality that you can just kind of do the Christian thing without the burden of the Bible? Perhaps you're one of those take it or leave it kind of folks. You're not really rejecting the Bible, but you're not committed to it either. Maybe you're like the growing number of people today who love the Bible so long as you don't insist that it has any authority in my life. First Baptist, are you taking this seriously? Because if you are, then you're keeping your eyes on Jesus, on the journey of life, even in the midst of suffering. If you are, then circumstances can't shake you off your foundation. Oh, they'll rattle you. They'll rattle you hard, but you're not going to fall. If you're taking this seriously, then you will care more about the truths that it contains than the lies and misinformation spewed out by the news media and social media. If you are taking this seriously, this and this is a joy. It's your first thought in the morning. It dominates your thoughts during the day. It's the last sweet thought you have before you lay your head on the pillow. And it drives you to be gathered together with others who love this too so that you can share in their joy. If you are taking this seriously, then you're in it for the long haul. No tapping out when things get a little dicey. And you're not going to just sprint for a little while and just have a stroll for the rest of the way. You're not going to let things like school and marriage and having kids and changing careers and divorce and illness and retirement cause you to quit the race. You're going to keep going. You're going to endure and you're going to finish strong. Dear friends, let us be wise. The world beyond these doors is dark. We need this. We need its wisdom. We need its light. So I invite you to fall in love with God's word all over again. If you're not a believer, then this is an invitation to fall in love with the one who fulfills this, every bit of it on your behalf. Let's renew our commitment to the good and perfect law of God fulfilled in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's be a church first Baptist that is marked by a love for this. Thanks for listening. We pray this clip has been helpful and invite you to connect with more content from First Baptist on our website at fbcbr.com or through our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram, username at FBCBR. Until next time, let us keep looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God.